You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to this special edition of Radical Australia. Considering the carnage which is going on in uh, Palestine, uh, we felt that uh, we would like to replay an interview with uh, Nasser Mashni from Palestine Remembered, which was broadcast initially on the 12th of February 2020, uh, to highlight uh, the background to what's happening in Palestine currently. Now, if you are interested in uh, pursuing this exceptionally important issue, I'd like to remind you that Palestine Remembered is broadcast every Saturday from 9.30am to 10am on 3CR. The program is also podcast. So if you go to 3cr.org.au, go to Palestine Remembered. So uh, we make no apologies for uh, rebroadcasting this important uh, interview with Nasser Mashni to give you an idea of the background to the current uh, situation in the uh, Palestine-Israeli conflict. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to oh, I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out well, radical Australia. Joe Toscano with the great Dale Bridge, the Empress Dowager. How art thou, Empress Dowager? I'm functioning. Functioning. That's that's that's, that's a positive thing. Yeah, so. I have I have noticed uh, in the past, but not in the last few years, <laughs> you're nodding off on at the microphone <laughs> during the interviews. I wish I, did, I I never never actually mentioned this before, Dale, <laughs> but because it is subscriber week, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we need what six subscribers? I think that'll be enough. I think we need we Ten? need as Ten? many subscribers Ten. as All humanly right. possible. Okay, this is three CR. We're looking for subscribers. Unlike other radio stations, we do not rely on corporate advertising. We don't rely on the corp- on, on the government. We rely on our listeners. Now, we, we just don't want your money. I don't care about your bloody filthy money and how you've got it, <laughs> all right? What we want you is to be listener sponsors. That means you are part of this great 3CR family. It gives you the power to vote in the elections and vote in listener sponsor representatives onto the 3CR board that makes decisions. And you get a nice card, mm-hmm. and if you're into shopping, you even get discounts at selected stores, most of which have closed down. But <laughs> <laughs> it's very simple. 0394198377. There are hundreds of people waiting for your call, so don't let me down. Yes. Well, maybe three or four. Oh three nine four one nine eight three double seven. And if you're at work, why don't you get on the computer and go to three cr dot org dot au forward slash subscribe? I'm going to barricade the studio, <laughs> and if we don't get ten new listener sponsors, Dale and I and our guest yeah. are going to be prisoners here forever. 
for the long haul. Good afternoon, Nasa Mashni. How art thou? Very well, Jarendale. Thank you. I, I aspire to one day be referred to as an emperor. Now, this is the first time I've been in the presence of an empress. Well, so. the dowager. The empress dowager. I think it started when um, when one of our prime ministers was throwing around knighthoods. And, yeah, uh, yeah. No. It's, it's, a, it's a joke that never went away. It's well, pretty I, cool. I, I, yeah, it's a cool. You know, I'm happy I'm happy to bestow her, her to be an empress. It's fine. Look, look at her st- stature and physique. You wouldn't... Cross Dale in a dark alley. Come fight. on, you're a big bloke. Would you? Would you pick a fight with Dale in a dark alley? Well, I'm, Come I'm, on. I'm not a fighter. No, uh, well, no, no. Joe, no. jo, the would reality. You pick a love. <laughs> you're, you're far more uh, worthy of bestowing uh, honorifics than the, our former prime well, minister. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for so. the honour. I'll, I'll accept it. Being a megalomaniac, I'll yeah. accept it. Nasa <laughs> Mashni. <laughs> That's a funny name. It's almost as funny as Joseph Toscana and Dale Bridge, isn't it? It's just well, another name, isn't just it? Just another name, yeah, Just yeah. another name. People um, don't actually... Well, we've got somebody out... Oh, get away! This is a live <laughs> interview. You've been interviewed before. We don't want to talk to you. He's, he's a good He's a good egg. It, that was uh, Jacob that just went past. Yeah. He's not an egg. <laughs> he's not a Humpty Dumpty. He's actually still alive. He didn't fall off the wall and break. He's not an egg. He's Jacob. He's alive and kicking. Yeah. Now, now, so we only ask two questions during this chat. It's not an interview. Uh, we ask you what year you were born, just to, you know, get listeners to... Th- Give it an idea. What year were you born? 1970. So you're a virtual youngster coming to me. I started my first year at university in 1970 at medical school. That's how old I am. Well, you don't look that old. Because I'm just about to turn 50. That would make you like 68, 69. 68. Came yeah. into 69. No, it's it's the good living. Being here for 43 years is what's kept me young. keeps you young. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it does keep you young. But being here for 43 years keeps me young. Actually yeah. having to negotiate the different people on the front desks who make all these unreasonable demands on me not to abuse people. It's just, just totally unreasonable. You've got no idea what I've got to put up with, NASA. Now, on a more uh, serious note, um, what's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth? The first thing I remember is... Uh, I think the first thing I remember, a, a conscious thought, mm. is uh, our lounge room. Right. And... Um, I say that our house, my father came to Australia in the early 50s mm-hmm. um, as a, as a uh, refugee, mm-hmm. exiled uh, from Palestine from his uh, birthplace and his family. And we accepted him in the early 50s. Um, That's a bit unusual. We didn't well, like people of different coloured skins in those days. I well, my father was from Sicily, Southern European. They weren't even happy with uh, Sicilians coming here because their skin was a little bit Dark, a bit close to Africa. So, how did your father get in? Who did he bribe? Look, there there was no question. There must have been some element of bribery. But he was he was brought here, sponsored by. um, uh, So he'd studied at the American University in Ah, Beirut. That that was the key. um, And then and then came via um, a program there. So, um, you know, of course, when he got to Australia, his um, credentials weren't immediately recognised, and he was forced to work for people that he was far smarter than, etc. But he came in the fifties. Um, and was very Palestinian until, you know, the day he died. He was, you know, very when Palestinian. Did, when did he die? He died now 13 years ago. And, and what was your um, dad's name? His name was Sheher, S-H-A-H-E-R, Sheher Mashni. Right. Um, and um, so our, we didn't, well, Palestine's still not recognised as a country, but today we have a, a charge of affairs or a, 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 an ambassador of sorts. Um, and uh, back in the uh, 60s and 70s, my father fulfilled that role. 
Here um, in Melbourne or Australia? It, Melbourne slash Australia. Oh, well, that was um, a very prominent, important role. He, he was a prominent, important guy. Mm. You know, um, what, what type of work did he do? Obviously, this was voluntary work that he was doing. Of course, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, uh, after he got married, the reality was, you know, working for CSL Commonwealth Serums Laboratory. Oh, yeah, good job. Good steady job. Yeah, but didn't pay very well. No, um, good superannuation in those yeah, days. Back in those days, yeah, well... <laughs> Um, you couldn't raise a family on that or a mortgage. Um, so mm. from there, he went to work um, uh, at Unigate in, in Bass Strait. And mm. then he was, you know, he, he was the shop steward. Uh, and what union? Oh, look, I couldn't tell you. But in Bass Strait. Uh, in Bass Strait. Yeah. So he'd spend um, a day and a half recovering from seasickness going over during mm. his eight-day shift. And then a day and a half recovering when he got back. And Didn't they have helicopters in those <laughs> days to drop the boys off and girls as they do these days? But, but you know, um, he was able to negotiate some pretty good um, right. uh, conditions for himself. Um, but uh, when he, um, when mum got pregnant, you know, the mm. thought of that itinerant um, mm. uh, presence, uh, he ended up, you know, my parents bought small businesses, so mm-hmm. we, um, in fact, grew up in a in a in a milk bar in uh, in Dandenong. Ah, welcome to the, <laughs> the story, story, the yeah. migrant story. So, what, what's your mum's name? My mum is Victoria. Is she still alive? She's alive and listening now. She always listens whenever she always I'm on the radio. Listens My number one fan, mum. Hello, mum. Your number one fan. That doesn't say much for you. you well, know. you know, if you, you know, your mum, if your mum, your if mum's you, always. You could be a mass murderer, you, and your mum's still your mum, number one well, fan. It's, it's important to acknowledge them, regardless of <laughs> well, the fact I that agree. they're a captive audience. Yeah, 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 you've yeah. still got to acknowledge mum. So, did, did mum come from Palestine? Uh, mum's Lebanese. Lebanese, right? You know, there's a really good story I'll share with you in a minute about mum and dad. But yeah, but hang but, on, look, look, back this, to look, dad. This is, hang on, no, no, no. This is a tough interview, mate. <laughs> you never told us your first memory in the lounge room. I'm coming back to the first memory. <sighs> So I'm it's, back here. This is a one-hour interview. It's not going to go for four hours, okay? <laughs> well, you said we're going to barricade, so these, we need the, our listeners to subscribe. Well, How many are we up to? Joseph, you've got to be careful what you say. Well, you're right. Come on, please ring and okay. subscribe and let Otherwise, me I'll never get off the phone. 9419-8377. Thanks. Yeah, I was thinking of the talkback number. 9419-8377. So, um, so in that context where Dad is, you know, Mr. Palestine, mm-hmm. our ambassador for all intents and purposes, right. um, our land room was always full. Full of what? Uh, Palestinians, activists. Um, well, in the 50s and 60s. Well, I was born in 1970. Oh, My first right. memories so, in the yeah, early but, 70s. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so no full, full of first right. generation, right. <laughs> full of first uh, uh, wave Arab um, right. uh, immigration, but also, um, you know, significant figures from, from the left, Bill Hartley, you right. know, John Halfpenny, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. sorts of guys. I remember meeting Gough Whitlam as, right. as, a, as, a, as a little fella. Yeah. But my first memories are of our land room, smoke-filled mm. in the smell of coffee. Mum mm. delivering coffee to all the men because, yep. you know, very, uh, traditional. very traditional male space. I'm so blessed and glad that today we've got so many women mm-hmm. and younger people. Um, but it was very uh, hierarchical and patriarchal, and uh, those smoke-filled rooms were... Um, they were real. They were real. They were real. They were very real. That's where yep. the deals were cut <laughs> and done because... <laughs> Obviously, he was trying to uh, gather support. Gather support, but also, I mean, look, we, my father died, um, as I said, you know, 13 years ago mm. uh, next month and um, still thought our return was imminent. So we'll that, Did he actually believe that or did it just keep him alive? Um, did he actually believe it? He would not. Uh, he believed it, yeah. He believed it was imminent. Absolutely. Right. Right. And, and and this is from the context of a guy mm. born in the 20s who lived right. in Palestine when it was magical. Mm-hmm. When, you know, and I tell a story often when I, I talk to people about Palestine before Zionism, mm-hmm. Palestine before 48, mm-hmm. Nakba, 
uh, ethnic cleansing of 750,000 people, destruction of 400 villages, and, and the mm. attempted erasure of entire people, mm. that on Monday, Abraham, Ibrahim, and Abraham, that's Abraham, the great prophet in mm. all three languages, Arabic, mm. English, yep, yep. and Hebrew, mm. would play marbles together. Mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. On Friday, Ibrahim went to mosque. Mm. On Saturday, Abraham went to temple. Mm-hmm. On Sunday, Abraham went to church. Yeah. On Monday, in Jerusalem, they played marbles together. Mm-hmm. And that's the Jerusalem, the Palestine my dad grew up in. Right. My dad's first girlfriend, she was Jewish. Right. She was yeah. Palestinian yeah. and a Jew. Yeah. In 1947, he was injured in, in a skirmish with uh, the Jewish terrorist uh, mm-hmm. um, forces. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a brief period of time was detained in a, uh, a Jewish uh, military hospital yep. uh, until he escaped. And she took food from her dinner table mm. in Jerusalem mm. to him. Right. Mm. So here was, she was a Palestinian Jew mm. as opposed to the um, Zionist European Jews who mm. were invading at that stage. At yeah. that stage uh, let's, go back a, let's go back a few steps. When did you first realize that you were not just Australian but also Palestinian? Um, I think my clearest memory of uh, a difference, mm. and, and uh, you know, there was like grade three, somebody asked me where I was from, and I said, you know, what was my ethnicity? Where are you from? You know, mm. that sort of question. And mm. I said Palestine, and they said Pakistan, and I went, no, Palestine. Stop, right. And they went, where was that? And because mm-hmm. our um, geography teacher couldn't find it in a book. So there was a little bit of that, but where my sense of actual identity as a Palestinian, um, what my dad did, what we were, what we had grown up into, was at a demonstration in 1982 when Israel invaded um, Lebanon, mm-hmm. um, and I was 12, my brothers were 10 and 8, my father, mother, and my mother's brother, my uncle were there. There were six or seven of us at this protest, right? And, Your and family, my family, and one other, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, we were, Begin, Reagan, you should know, we support the PLO. You know, this mm. was the chant. Mm. And, you know, people were looking at us strange and we're waving a Palestinian flag and we're outside the American embassy. Mm. And, and that onslaught went on for years. So the, the protests grew. grew. Yeah. But I realized, you know, as I, I had just turned 12 that mm. there was this the Palestine, what Dad had talked about. It, right. You know, it, it became very real for me then. Did- did he have pictures of, of Palestine? Did he come away with some photographs or something? Yeah, so we've, you know, we've got his photo album. And, yeah, and look, you know, the what, real... what did that show? As a uh, child, did you go through that also, photo was, album with him? Or there was, was, was it, it just his personal yeah, was memories? It, personal memories. And, and the photos were more... It was, it was after 48. You know, mm. the, the, the reality, um, our village, which is just outside of Jerusalem uh, in East Palestine, uh, known as the West Bank now, mm. but in East Palestine... Um, you know, it was a rural community. There would have been one radio in the whole village. Mm. You know, there wouldn't have been a, a, a camera right. for, for people to take uh, baby snaps. Mm. That being said, you know, there's, um, you know, perhaps one when he was 16. We've gotten a few when he was at university and then uh, mm. in his travels throughout. So was your village incorporated in 48 into the no, state no. of Israel was 67? 67. 67, right. Okay. Um, do you, well, in 67, what, you would have been, how old? Well, you hadn't been born. So I was minus, no idea. minus I didn't three. I think about it. You're, <laughs> minus three. A genetic memory I keep thinking about. Crazy. So what's life like for a young lad in the Melbourne suburbs going to high school, kind of identifying as Australian and Palestinian? Well, it wasn't an issue in our first bit because, as I said, we grew up in Dandenong. And mm. then we, we, we had a period where we lived in Cheltenham. Mm-hmm. 
which um, you know most I of our know, listeners, I know Cheltenham very well. Well, and and most of our listeners are Melbourne, so we know that Cheltenham is you know mm. particularly in the um, 1977 to 85 we were there mm-hmm. was very white, mm. um, and so the schools we went to you know we were the only. Funny name, funny skin colour. Oh, Mashney, Mashney, Mash, 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 Masho. Yeah, mashed potato. <laughs> mashed potato, yeah. Um, so, you know, we were, we were the milk bar boy, mm. you're brown, yep. funny name, funny skin colour, funny religion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're, it was pretty easy to other us, mm-hmm. um, which is where I built my wonderful personality and had people, you know, connect to me and warm to me so quickly. Mm. But... Um, it was a challenge, and um, it was a challenge because, you know, racism was very real. It was particularly real in those very white suburbs where, you know, we were absolutely interlopers. Mm. I, you know, my classes right through primary school, my two brothers and I, we were the only, mm. I think there were some Italians, but there weren't many. Not many, no. And and there might have been a that Greek. Been, that would have been at Mordialic. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't a, uh, you know, yeah. a, a ve- there wasn't any Vietnamese. No, there not wasn't, at that stage. There no. was nothing. It not, was everybody was a Matthew or Michael or Paul or Luke, you know, 80s, yeah. a, a disciple. Yeah. And then there was Nasser Muhammad and Kamal, you know, the three Mashni boys, Milfar boys. Mashni boys. Yeah, so we got in a few fights, Joe. You're kidding. Yeah, so. You're kidding. You didn't develop your pudgilistic <laughs> ability. Might well, be a surprise, you know. Well, let's look, it's the migrant story. Let, let, let's move on. It's a yeah. migrant story. It's the other, being the other. You yeah. know, in a situation, either makes you or breaks you, you know, that's the key. Is you you mm. do develop. Coping mechanisms. Of course. I, went, I went through the same thing twenty years earlier, and you do you do develop coping mechanisms. You either run away or you stand and fight, and sooner or later people accept you. Absolutely. Is that what you found? Uh, sooner or later they did ex- uh, mm. accept me, and the reality, I think, I de- my coping mechanism was to develop a personality that was, um, you know, quite dominant. I'm, you know, aside right. from megalomania, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, my desire. I know for... exactly. About <laughs> so. Um, mm. It, 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 I'm not necessarily believe it's a great personality trait. No, it's not. Um, but, but you know, it's survival was, mechanism. It's a survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over and above that, you know, in my, my life, you know, it's led me to um, endeavour to overachieve and, mm-hmm. you know, to... Uh, overachieve? Overcompensate for... So you left high school and went to university if you're yeah, overachieved. Yeah. <laughs> not just university. Look, I, I mean, hang on, hang on, hang on. Look, yeah. I'm running the interview. Okay? I know, <laughs> you said I, two questions. Don't, know, he said two questions. No, no, I said two questions. I want to come back to part. mum. Yeah, we'll come back to mum in okay, a minute. Don't forget, don't I know forget. you want to look after your mum. Well, we'll she's look, listening. She's listening. We'll come back to mum okay. because obviously you are what you are because of your mum's nurturing ways, you and your brothers. Your brother's still with us? Both my brothers are, yeah. yeah do they identify as Palestinian? Yeah, absolutely. They? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. As do our, all of our children. All your children. How many kids you got? We've each got two boys and a girl. Two boys and a girl. So that's three. That's nine. Nine. It's almost like a disease. <laughs> I, was yeah. at, I was at a... I was at a um, Birthday party for a 99 year old activist. Wow. I, I know he was born in 1921. Yesterday, a bloke called Bill French, and uh, there were five generations there. So, if you're Fantastic. really lucky, you can get to five generations. So, what did you study at university? Oh, I did a science degree, majored in physics. Uh-huh. And how'd that go? What opened up any doors for you? Did you? No, to... no, not really. Not many doors. <laughs> the whole story, you know. <laughs> not many. Get doors. an education and nothing happens. Well, well yeah. did you get a job or something? Well, you we got, got a kids? job. Yeah, yeah. Got a, yeah, yeah. Doing what? Um, well, I didn't get a job in physics. We, I left uh, that space and, you know, worked uh, 
worked uh, for a little while for AMP, and then yep. I worked for Australian uh, Mutual Prudential Society. Prudential when it was a mutual society. When it was a mutual was, was it before demutualisation? Yeah, it was before demutualisation. Good to know. Good. When 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 um, yeah. when you they actually were, worked for the members. Worked for the members, not for the shareholders. Not for the shareholders. Yeah, right. Good. And uh, all profits were shared back to the members. Uh, you'd hate for that concept to you know yeah. to move on throughout this society. Mutualist, mutualist collective. Wouldn't it be terrible if we all worked together towards a common good and a common goal? <laughs> That's terrible, but. But remember, the members took the cash. They waived the cash well, and they demutualised. So it's their own fault. Look, it's a famous line from a movie, never underestimate the other guy's greed. That's right. The, <laughs> you know, the, the reality is that uh, we've been um, smashed in, convinced that what life's all about is the accumulation of shiny shit. Yeah. And that, um, you know, as long as you're okay, your connection to uh, the only each other mutual, diminishes. Many mutual organisations were formed in the 1880s and 1890s in Victoria by working people, especially to look after their health needs. Mm-hmm. Every single one has been uh, privatised and uh, publicly listed, except the RACV, which is still a mutual association, which is, which is interesting. Yes. Well, I think the NM. In RMA, I could be wrong here, in New South Wales, was actually demutualised, I think. So it's interesting. And, you, you know, if you remember the RACB, there are benefits to members. Not a lot, but there's enough to keep yeah, you going. Well, we got, we got it for the car care. <laughs> well, no, 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 there's the resorts. You know, you've got no idea, yeah, mate. You can I'm not a resort guy, Joe. You might well, be a resort guy. you know, you can take the kids to a good restaurant. You can play golf. Who knows? There's all these things. You can have a swimming pool. Well, maybe the, the, the um, RACV card gets more benefits than the 3CR oh. one. But don't forget our subscribers. We need people to subscribe, Joe. Keep plugging away. Yeah. We don't need to plug away. People will subscribe because of the standard of the chatting we do, not interviewing. Yeah, the calibre of your guests. Well, not really, no. no, no, well, no. It's the calibre this one at it's least. It's the calibre of the presenters. <laughs> the guests are just he fodder. Just, he won't give you an inch, I'm <laughs> telling you. He will not give you Liam an inch. Liam warned him. Liam warned him when he walked in. Uh, uh. I, I'd just like to apologise. <laughs> so, have you. Um, what about your mum? What do you want to say about your mum? So, I, one, one of my um, favourite stories mm. about mum. My dad said to my mother, when he was courting her, traditionally back in the 60s, he said, mm. now listen. What, in, in Melbourne? Melbourne, yeah. They met here. Mum right. came to Australia in the 60s. Right. Um, and, he, and he said to her, he said, now listen. Uh, now listen. I like now that. listen. Yep. Um, you need to understand something. Uh, I'm already married. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he said, well, I'm not married to a woman. <laughs> ah, it gets worse. And she was looking, looked at him kind of strange, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, she was on a, yeah. My mother, beautiful, innocent, sweet woman. Yeah. And dad, you know, uh, yeah. proper radical, yeah. old school. Uh, what's the age gap? Uh, 21 years. Oh, that's a big age gap. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Yep. And, he, and, he, and she said, what are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? You're married. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm married to Palestine. Right. You're going to be my second wife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, mum in her innocence thought, oh, that's, not, that's pretty easy. That's easy. Yeah, yeah, it's I, easy. I, I can push her to the side. Yeah, yeah. Um, many years later... Mm. Mum wished he actually had a wife. <laughs> it might have been a fairer, fairer fight. Because what? A lot. Of, because you, Palestine was always one. Did you did you think of yourselves as lat, what we call as latchkey kids that your dad didn't have much time for you as you grew up, or um, so or were you not, just part and parcel of the whole thing that was so going we, on? Not that he didn't have much time for us. It's that we understood his what his role. Yeah, and we had a very, and he's implanted it into each of us. And look, you know, my my, my children 
suffer from the uh, absent dad syndrome. Um, And and I say absent in the sense of, you know, in a traditional sense, you know, we work, let's say, nine to five and then, you know, dad or mum come home and, you know, dinner's at six and whatever. But, you know, whether I'm here with you or doing our radio show on Saturday morning or, um, you know, organising a protest on Saturday, I had a full day with the Australia-Palestine Advocacy Network Strategy Mm -hmm. Day. Um, You know, I'm heading to Canberra in a couple of weeks to lobby our federal politicians. Mm -hmm. So they deal with a father that, whilst present is fantastically engaged with them, but right. actually, if you were measuring the hours, is absent. Mm. Now, my father's absences were uh, greater than mine. They were greater than mine because the reality is the world was so much bigger then, mm. with no internet, no mobile phones. Um, so when he went to a conference, it was in Algeria, and he went for months. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, or, or to Syria, or to Jordan, or... Um, wherever those conferences might have been, the reality is that when his absences were prolonged. Mm. So did you have any official positions in Palestinian organisations here in, in, in Australia? My father? Now you. Uh, I have. So I am uh, the current vice president of the Australia-Palestine Advocacy Network. And what's that? Which is uh, Australia's peak Palestine advocacy representative body. It's uh, a, 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 an organisation that is made up of churches, unions, individual members, other Palestine solidarity groups to uh, advocate on a national basis and create resources, etc., for uh, national campaigns, state campaigns. Uh, at the moment, we're running a Palestine youth boot camp. So we've got uh, mm-hmm. around a dozen kids uh, um, bush in a secret destination, learning about Palestine, learning how to advocate for Palestine, mm. um, you know, taking them from Palestine 101 through to today. So. Right. There's any you know, any number of things between lobbying, op-ed writing. Uh, you know, we go on TV mm. whenever they give us a chance to. Yeah, which uh, isn't often. Is not often, and uh, you know, every now and again, the odd op-ed and mainstream radio. Mm. Do you um, have you been to Palestine? I've been a, a number of times. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. And the last uh, time was September last year. And when was the time? Before? When was the first time you went? How old? Uh, were the you? first time I went was just after Dad died. Which, what, 13 years ago? 13 years ago, yeah. Mm. So we, we, we had been planning a number of trips, but, mm. you know, between having kids and work and it yeah. just never happened. And Dad mm. got sick and, you know, died pretty quickly. Mm. Um, and it uh, wasn't long. So we, my brother and I left and went uh, three, four months after three, he died. Three or four months? Yeah, yeah. That's a long break, really, isn't it? No, no, we went three or four months after. For, after, for, for, oh, right. for, for two and a half weeks, yeah. For two and a half weeks. and. Have you noticed any difference between 13 years ago and September last year? Yeah, absolutely. So every time we go, and I've been every two years since, mm. um, we see it's a little worse. Mm. And I say it's a little... What, what do you mean by a little worse? Tell us, Tell us. look, a lot of people have got this funny idea about the Gaza Strip and the West Bank and Palestine, you know, all those areas. It, what's, it, what's, it, what's it like? So... Speaking, what's a, yeah, speaking what, what, as a Palestinian. Like, yeah. yeah, as a Palestinian. Look, so, look if you lived in Gaza, let's say you live in Gaza, how big is Gaza? Uh, Gaza's 250 square kilometres. Right. It's so tiny. It's, Melbourne's so. 9,990 square kilometres. And how many people live there? Two million. Two million. And um, obviously they can go anywhere they like, can't they? They're in the largest open-air prison on earth. Two right. million people trapped by air, land and sea by the Israeli government. Well, tell us how that, how that, how that works. Well, it doesn't because I want to see. I want to see the the nuts and bolts. I want. I want you to tell us mm. what life is like for somebody in Gaza in the world's largest open air prison. 
Well, if, if you're a Palestinian in Gaza, life is a disaster. Mm-hmm. You, um, uh, you wake up during the day and you've got to f- hope that sometime during that day that the four hours of electricity, when they get turned on, that you're somewhere near, A, your washing machine so you can wash clothes, uh, a phone charger so you can charge your phone, um, uh, close enough that your kids might be able to turn their computer on, connect to the internet at 3G, you know, dial-up sort of speeds. We're not allowed to have 4G or broadband. Uh, and and uh, do some study. Hang on, um, hang on, hang on. We're not allowed to have broadband. <coughs> no. Or 4G. And we no, complain no. about the Chinese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're no, not no, complaining they're, about they're, the, the Jewish state. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, go on, go on. We, we, you, you are buying uh, and selling goods using the Israeli shekel. We're not allowed to have our own currency. Mm-hmm. Um, the birth registry, the death registry is controlled by the Israeli government. Entry and exit are controlled by Israel. What do you mean it's controlled by Israel, well, entry you, and exit? So if you want to leave, mm-hmm. let's say you get a scholarship. Right. You're the best performing Palestinian student in Gaza. You get a, a full ride to Harvard, mm-hmm. hypothetically. Mm-hmm. You know that, That's the lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a letter of offer from Harvard. Um, your father has never done anything wrong. Your mother's never done anything wrong. So you make an application to the Israeli military governor to say, here's my school results. Here's my letter of offer from Harvard. Here's um, them funding my trip out. Um, all I need from you is an exit permit so I can leave. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Good luck. Every now and again, they do grant one. Every now and again, a kid with cancer gets the right to get in a, an ambulance transferred to a Palestinian hospital in East Jerusalem, but your parents can't come. Right. Um, late, so what? You've got little kids with cancer, three, four, five-year-old brain tumors. A two-year-old, yeah. a two-year-old mm-hmm. spent five days on her own mm-hmm. getting chemotherapy for a brain tumor in East Jerusalem late last year. And the parents weren't allowed. To, not even one of not, not even one the mother, of them. Nobody. Not even the mother. Mm-hmm. The child died mm-hmm. thinking it had been abandoned mm-hmm. by its mm-hmm. parents. Mm-hmm. Was the body repat- allowed to be repatriated? Repatriated, yeah. Now, we hear about uh, missiles and missile strikes in Gaza. This is a very tiny area. So mm-hmm. is, is that a fear people have every day? Um, so the reality of a military occupation, mm. and this is one of, the, one of the best things about 3CR, is we can get to give some context to a mm. question like that. And the reality is if, you know, we were on Channel 9, 3AW, you know, even the ABC, that sort of question is thrown straight out at a, at, a, at a person to immediately comment. Because it's given to us the question in in the concept of uh, people the like us. You're yeah, the aggressor. You're the aggressor. People like us. Yeah. The reality is Palestinians are occupied, have been occupied since 1967, over and above which today the Gaza Strip is sealed for the mm. best part of 13 years, going on to 14 years. The UN said that Gaza would be uninhabitable 2020. It's now uninhabitable. Mm. Um the uh, uh, population density of Gaza, if we had the same population density in Melbourne, instead of being four and a half million people, we'd be 55 million yeah, people. Right. So imagine that for traffic or trying mm, to get your kid mm, in school or something mm. like that. Um, now, you can't cap- capture people, imprison people like that. Mm. Calculate the daily calorific intake required and only allow that much food to go in. Mm-hmm. So even Not food a, is controlled. Even the food is controlled. The daily calorific intake mm. of the residents and that much food is allowed to go in. Mm. You cannot do that to a, a, a civilian population. Mm. Three times in the past 13 years rained absolute terror upon them. Absolute mm. terror. Mm. First world F-16s, Apache helicopters, naval tanks against a civilian captured population whose only means of defense 
are AK-47s and homemade weaponry. Mm, mm. Now, the reality is when you do that to people, and I do not advocate for violence, some people are going to strike out. Some people are going to resist. What form that resistance takes? Mm. Is it homemade rockets that are fired back? Yeah. Is it... Um, Kites, they call them te- um, terrorist kites. Right. You know, Palestinians got to the point where they're flying kites mm. with a long tail, mm. turning those, uh, lighting the tail on those kites, and sending those kites over the border mm. to land in Israeli fields and create fires. Mm. That's the level of sophistication <laughs> of the Palestinian of resistance. the Palestinian resistance <laughs> against a nuclear armed, mm. the seventh most uh, most nuclear weapons. Mm. Arguably the fourth biggest and best army on earth. Mm. So when your resistance is a kite that's mm. on fire, mm. a homemade rocket that you've used some fertilizer and whatever else to mm. propel. Mm. Now, have they injured people? Yes. Have they killed people? Yes. Mm. Have they? But in absolute terms, a minuscule amount compared to. I do not condone violence on any no, no, side. I understand that. But there's a reality and no, context no. required whenever a question like that's answered. Oh, I'm interested. You hear figures that... Um, 20% of the Israeli population is Palestinian, is that correct? 20% of the population of the State of Israel is not Jewish. Not Jewish, yeah. right. Now, it's actually more. Mm. And I say that because um, in Israel, what you want to be in, in, in this very racist country mm. is white. Mm-hmm. There's privilege that comes with blue eyes. Mm-hmm. It's a reality in the West, yeah? Mm-hmm. Now, if you're white, an Ashkenazi Jew, you know, mm-hmm. Polish, Lithuanian, mm-hmm. um, the German, came Austrian... Came, came across, you know, in the, the waves of Zionism. Yeah. You, you're, you're what we call a first-class citizen. citizen right. Better job opportunities. When you're um, conscripted into the army, you tend to get more cruisy jobs. Now, the second thing you want to be, if, you can't, if you're not a white Jew, is, mm-hmm. you know, you still want to be Jewish. Mm-hmm. But you want to be an Arab Jew. Mm-hmm. So you've come from, from Iraq or from Lebanon. Or you're a Palestinian Jew, mm-hmm. you know, pre-State pre of Israel, Syrian Jew, etc. So you're an Arab Jew. And most of those people... <clears throat> Excuse me. Their grandparents and parents spoke Arabic. Now you're not white, mm. and you look like them, uh-huh. but you're one of us. Mm. So you know you're still okay because you know you celebrate God on Saturday, mm. but you you know don't go marrying my daughter or anything. Mm. Your third class Jew is somebody who's come from Ethiopia. Right. I mean you're yes. black, yeah. Well, I've oh, we know what we, about that. We know we know black. I mean shit. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I've got I've got actually a patient who um, he came from India from the uh, Mumbai region where they, there was a small Jewish community yeah, yeah, which yeah. had been there for, uh, for hundreds of years from sea traders and his family was taken to uh, Israel and within three or four years they immigrated to New Zealand then Australia. Yeah. They couldn't stand the couldn't racism. Couldn't stand the racism. Yeah. Couldn't, and, any, and these are Jewish people, they couldn't stand it. Yeah. Couldn't stand it. So you're, he's a brown Jew, yeah, which is still better than a black Jew but not quite yeah, a white he's Jew. he's brown, brown Jew, he's yeah. not a black Jew. So black he's Jew. Indian, yeah. yeah. The next one down from that is um, he's not a Jew, he, mm, she, yeah. but they're Druze. Dru- and, I know the Druze, yeah. yeah. The so Druze, the, the yeah. Druze of Lebanon, great. Everybody Dru- hates the Druze. Well, not in Lebanon. Not in Lebanon, but, but, but everybody else. Yeah. But, but in, in Israel, they became um, fifth columns because they're Arabs, columns. yeah? Yeah, they're Arabs. They're Arabs. Yeah, the and then, and then, and then they yeah. chose to go with David Ben-Gurion and the state of Israel. Yeah. Now, they're actually Arab. They, Arabic is their native tongue. Yeah. Most of them have now learned Hebrew and are increasingly losing their Arabic. Yeah. Um, and in their pursuit to be a Jew mm. and try and move up from status four to three, two, one, mm. they're, they're sadly the worst Israeli from a Palestinian's perspective. They serve in the territories because mm. they look like us. Mm. They speak like us. Mm. Same I dialect, mean, uh, same tongue. 
these are professional soldiers or cons- Profe- conscripts? Well, they start out as conscripts, but then they become, become professional. professional. And they right. become undercover and they go right. in and... So, so, so the relationship, what's the relationship like between people in the West Bank and Gaza and Palestine, uh, occupied, the occupied territories, and people who identify as non-Jewish in Israel? Is there any relationship? Uh, well, is there anything in common? Or? Well, there's a lot in common, you know. Apart from culture, culture there, but yeah. I mean in terms of the struggle for independence. Well, increasingly so. But mm. let me get to that in a sec. Mm. So the the fifth person in there mm. is an Arab uh, citizen of Israel. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a Jerusalem Arab who's not a citizen of Israel, but a resident of Jerusalem. Because of 67. Because 67. Right. Uh, and then you move from there to, a, a, you know, a, a, a somebody in the West Bank who's in a village that hasn't been um, demolished to a 48 refugee who's a 67 refugee inside internally displaced Palestinian. Right. And the lowest form, uh, lowest class is a Gazan. Now, mm. in there, there's a million others. There's a million Christians. Mm. And I say this because Israel is a racist endeavor, a racist project. It wants to be white in a sea of brown. Mm-hmm. They managed to repatriate, uh, you know, parentheses, uh, Russians when the Soviet Union, Jewish Russians. Mm-hmm. So they went, you know, if you've got any Soviet, uh, Jewish Soviets, if you've got any um, um, Jew in you, mm-hmm. find your way here because mm-hmm. they were all white, blue, mm-hmm. blue, white. Well, if you're escaping um, the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. Israel's the West, and the reality is an Israeli passport's almost a free ticket into the United States. Mm. Um, you know, people were finding very tenuous links to, to Judaism. My mm. great-grandmother. Mm. <laughs> um, so what's happened now? And I've got cousins in Nazareth, you know, in the mm. north, of, um, mm. north of Palestine, uh, Israel now, that um, can't get into church because there's two services on a Sunday in Russian. Mm. And only one service in Arabic, mm. and it's you know been delayed. Mm. Um, there are that many so, Russians. So let's go back to the question, all right? Because I've always been intrigued by this, and I'm sure the listeners are intrigued by mm-hmm. that. Is there any support in Israel itself amongst Jews and amongst non-Jews for the creation of an independent Palestinian state? Um, so there is significant support across Israel for the establishment of a Palestinian state. All right. So now, if, where is that state? What does it look like? Is the That's the problem. problem. So some of them say there should be a Palestinian state. It's called Jordan. Piss off there. Right. The next slide is you can have a Palestinian state, a.k.a. the Trump plan, which is a whole bunch of Bantustans where we've mm. you know got garrisons and armed guards around you, you've got no control of your radio spectrum, telephones, water, resources, exit entry. Yeah. You can't have an airport. You can't have an army. You won't... Uh, you won't enter into any uh, international agreements without our approval, etc., 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 and any variation in between. Um, the Palestinians of 48 Palestine or Israel, absolutely, mm. they're, they're um, not as um, uh, radical, if you will, as mm. the Gazans, mm. but the reality is their life is much better. Yep. They're Israeli citizens. They've got an Israeli passport. They can travel the world, mm-hmm. leave the airport. Mm-hmm. But they are fourth-class mm-hmm. citizens. Mm-hmm. When you apply for a job, this is, this is a sort of subtle um, racism that exists. When you apply for a job in Israel at the bank, post office, whatever it might be, they'll ask you for your years of service in the army. Mm-hmm. Now, you're conscripted. Yep. Boys for three years, straight out of high school. Girls yep. for two years. Stra- yep. You've you got no choice, mm. unless you get a medical certificate yep. or you yep. know some sort of challenge. 
Now, Palestinians of Israel aren't allowed to serve. serve. You're citizens. You've got to pay tax. Yeah, but you're not allowed to serve. You're not allowed to serve. Uh, The Bedouins can serve, but not... not, not, um, I'm sure some of them might, but the reality is overwhelmingly they don't. And so Palestinians, when they fill in a job application form Mm -hmm. that says, when were your years of service, have to put an NA. Yeah, not applicable. Now... That goes, you know, good, good right. news. Okay, I want to extend this a little bit. So how many Palestinians live in the former Palestine, do you think? So to, it's to one that? in five. One in five. Yep. One in five. So how many altogether do you think? Um, uh, one, 1. 1.6 million within, one point, with, and within and the... And there's two million in Gaza? Two million in Gaza. And how many in the West Bank? Uh, three and a half million. Right. Half a million in Jerusalem. Yeah. Today in historic Palestine? Yeah. Um, take out the Golan Heights, which um, mm. uh, Trump just uh, recognised as part of Israel, not Syria. Mm. Um, in historic Palestine today, we've crossed 50-50. Pa- we've crossed it. Palestinians are more than 50%. Really? More than 50% of the population. And how about overseas, people that have been forced, like your father, to flee mm. and, and their descendants? Um... So w- we think it's around 8 million people. Outside of Palestine? Outside. A total population somewhere between 14, 14 14.5 million. Right. Okay. So when you talk about, uh, people talk about the Jewish settlements, can you explain what a a so-called Jewish settlement is? Mm -mm. So uh, when people in the the news today talk about Jewish settlements, they're talking about lands that should be uh, the Palestinian state, the West Bank, or the West Bank of the Jordan River, East Palestine as Palestinians know it. So this is is occupied Palestine after 67? After 67, yeah. Right. Um, and in fact, after 67, but in fact, it refers to the 1949 Armistice Line, the Green Line, which right. is the demarcation line at the end of hostilities between mm-hmm. the Arab world and, and what then became the State of Israel. Mm-hmm. So the West Bank, East Jerusalem and the Gaza Strip. Um, following the 1967 war where Israel took the Golan Heights of Syria, the West Bank off Jordan, who were administrating it, administrating it at, at the time, Gaza and the Sinai off Egypt. Um, subsequent to that, Sinai given back to Egypt uh, with Sadat. Gaza became part of uh, the State of Israel, the West Bank as well. Uh, they maintained a military occupation, excuse me. Um, sub- straight after that, the Israelis started moving Jews into what should be Palestine. Right. Re- UN Resolution 242 talks about you know land for peace. So what, ethnic cleansing, basically? Well, the ethnic cleansing uh, started in, in, in the late, in, in forty seven. Yeah, so with massacres. It, it, it wasn't occurring in the occupied territory. No, it wasn't occurring in the occupied territory. So how, how, many, how many Jewish settlements... Uh, look, is the plan to create so many Jewish settlements you can't have a viable Palestinian Correct. state? Correct. Well, that's what's happened now. So yeah. late, late Prime Minister of Israel, Ariel Sharon, who's the mm. butcher of Sabra and Shatila, mm. um, he, he had a, a quote, famous quote. He said, you know, run to every hilltop, we'll make a pastrami sandwich, we'll build so many settlements that not even America could undo what's mm. here. So now there's like three quarters of a million Jewish people mm. living in what should be Palestine in settlements that are Jewish only. Mm. So if you're, in fact, if you're a citizen of Israel, but an Arab, mm. you can't get residency in these things. They have entrance committees where they so these interview are close, communities. close communities. You have to celebrate God on Saturday to get there. How about us poor atheists? What happens to us? <laughs> well, Joe, well, I don't celebrate any bloody God. Joe, you, you, you're, you're fair enough. You just just find yourself a tenuous link and they'll take you. They'll take me. Okay. Um, so right. back, to, back to these settlements. The reality is they are serviced via special roads. They're mm. connected to the Israeli power grid. Um, the average settler in one of these illegal settlements uh, mm. consumes in excess of 250 
litres of water per day. So today we're getting told to get down to 155 per person. Mm. The average Israeli settler in the West Bank, which is one of the more arid places on earth, is at 250 litres per day. According to the World Health Organization, Palestinians in the West Bank are less than 50 litres per day. These Israeli settlements are sitting on top of hilltops, on top of uh, the most arable land, all the aquifers. So the Israelis have been very strategic in where they've placed these settlements mm. so and, as to ensure... And, and what, do they have army bases on the settlements? Of course, of course, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, uh, army garrisons, extra mm. security. Right. But they've been very strategic in placing these settlements mm. so as to ensure that a contiguous Palestinian state can't be created. Mm. So... It sounds very depressing. I'm sorry to say this to you. Well, but so how, how, how do you cope? I mean, well, you're, you're, you're an advocate. You're vice president uh, of the Palestinian Advocacy Group. How do you cope? Because it's been, it's been punch after punch after punch in the last decade. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we cope? And, mm-hmm. and, and many of us don't, Joe. Mm-hmm. So um, whilst uh, post-Holocaust uh, syndrome is a variable syndrome, Post-Nakba syndrome is very real too. Mm. Many Palestinians don't cope because it's hard to get a win as a Palestinian. How we cope, how I cope, Mm. is every time I go to Palestine and I smell Palestine and I see my brothers and sisters in Palestine Mm. and I see their steadfastness and I see their hospitality and I see the beauty of our culture and connection to our ancestral land and and the reality, they're not going anywhere. Mm. And then I come back here and, you know, turn the air conditioning on at home and, you know, open the fridge and there's, you know, fresh milk and, you know, mm-hmm. I can go down to the shop and buy a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. And I, and I realise just how lucky I am, or fortuitous, uh, you know, that this is where I ended up based on where my dad was thrown. Mm-hmm. Um, and then realise with all that challenge and all that adversity that the beauty that is Palestine. And this is, this is the thing that one day, and I hope it's soon, um, the Jews of Israel will understand they cannot have peace or security while they're stepping on somebody's throat. Mm. And Trump's peace plan is a loosening of the shoelace of the boot. Mm. Whilst the boot is on our head, on our throat, you mm. can have no peace. Yeah, but how do you cope? I mean, as you said, there hasn't been many mm. wins for the Palestinians. No, I cup, mean, resilience, yeah. Resilience. You see the beauty, and you know we're not going anywhere. No. I mean, this is the thing. You, you go, I mean, most Israelis have two passports. Right. Just I mean, in case, just well, in case. They, they, I mean, and, and it's a challenge not only because of us, mm. but the reality of a lived Jewish experience, experience for their yeah. history. They've been chased from everywhere. Yeah. It was never us, though. No. Anti-Semitism no. is a uniquely European yeah. disease. It is a European they brought that disease. shit to us. Yeah, it is a European disease. You know? Uh, 100% it, European disease. We it, created it. I've, I, even as a kid, I used to think, it's funny, I used to think. Uh, when I was we were made to suffer for that shit. Yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking, no, it's the Germans who... Kind of, it's the, the Nazis who created the concentration camps and killed all the Jews, but the Palestinians are now paying the price, and they've never were involved John, in any before of this. That was Spanish Inquisition, the Russian yeah. pogroms. It yeah, was, you yeah, know, the yeah, the Catholic yeah. Church. They all blamed, you know, him, uh, the rabbis for Pontius mm. Pilate wa- washing his hands. That's right. It had nothing to do with us. No, no. All right. Jesus um, was Palestinian. He was a brown-skinned Arab Jew. Wash out your soap, <laughs> mouth of soap, and water. I know you're an atheist. Wash out. No, no. I mean. Mate, Palestinian. You're telling me he was Palestinian. Of course he was Palestinian. Now you're going to tell me he didn't have blonde hair he or blue eyes. And he wasn't you, mean, you mean those photographs that the nuns used to give me when I was in grade one were a lie? All a lie. He wasn't a blonde. All a lie. He was Palestinian. So You're kidding. Here's the beauty. He was born in a Palestinian stable. Dad was a Muslim. Under a Palestinian 
Uh, no, we didn't have a flag, it. but under it, pal- the, uh, <laughs> stars, Palestinian you know, stars. So dad Muslim, yeah. mum Christian. Yeah. Uh, he, when we were little, we grew up with a map of Palestine and a crucifix and a Quran. Mm-hmm. And he would say to us, you know, and I, said, I remember one time I said, I said, dad, you know, you're Muslim. Do we yeah. really have to go to Sunday school? <laughs> Trying to get out of Sunday says, school. listen to your mother, Victoria. And he said, he said <laughs> mate, you, 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 the womb you came from mm. should not determine how you or who you or where mm. you should worship your God. Mm. When you're old enough, you'll decide. In that a, was Palestine. Yeah. In Australia, as an advocacy group, I'm interested, is there any... Yeah, there was a little bit of push during the Whitlam era, but is there any any support in the major political parties for your quest? So... Um, I mean, not, you know the politicians. Not, 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 not much with uh, the... Uh, not much with, with Scotty the, from, adver- from advertising. <laughs> yeah, Scotty from... Not much with Scotty. <laughs> that, though... Though there are little, there are some people within the the mm. um, coalition who uh, support uh, Palestinian mm. rights. Mm. Um, many more though in Labor, and the Greens are fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know some some of the independents. So mm. um, Wilkie is fantastic on Palestine as well. But increasingly, Palestine is not as ugly as were, a word as it used to be. Right. Many years ago, we couldn't open a door. Mm. Um, today, I mean. Uh, we've met Marissa Pine, yeah, Pine, yeah. which in the past, you know, would would have been unimaginable. Julie Bishop never let us in the door. Right. Um, you know, Penny Wong mm. um, introduced introduced a motion at the last Labor conference, um, calling for uh, the Labor next Labor government to recognise the state of Palestine. Right. So here's the shadow foreign minister introducing a motion mm-hmm. to recognise the state of Palestine. So if if we didn't have Scotty for marketing but um, mm. the bill we can't pay... Yeah, excuse me, excuse me. Look, I, look I, I hate to say this to you, please. mate. Mr. Ma- Mashney. Mashney, yeah. It's not Scotty from marketing. To be a marketing executive, you need to be smart. It's Scotty from advertising. Advertising. Adver- I know they say Scotty from marketing, yeah. but here we say Scotty from advertising. Scotty from advertising. Okay. We like to yeah. dig in the knife. So if, if, if Bill had won, mm. Labor Party had won, um, we'd be in a, a Labor government that had committed to recognising the state of Palestine. Right. So, you know, where the Greens are today, uh, one of their tenants on, on Palestine-Israel is to end um, any military cooperation. We shouldn't mm-hmm. be buying weapons yeah. off a country that markets its weaponry as battle-tested. Mm-hmm. And the reality is they're battle-testing that on little brown kids yeah. that yeah. look like my kids, yeah. you know. Um, to, to the great credit of um, BDS Australia, which is another entity I'm, I'm a member of. And what's BDS? Uh, Boycott, Divestments and Sanctions right. Campaign. Um, the uh, Elbit, which is uh, the Israeli um, government's private entity that markets these battle-tested weapons, um, had won a tender to train our Royal Flying Doctor Service. Mm. And we raised that as a big concern with the Royal Flying Doctor people, and mm. they uh, ended that, uh, ended that um, negotiation and didn't proceed with a contract that had all but been uh, executed. executed. So right. that was a great win for us. Now, going back a question, you don't have to answer this question because it's a bit naughty, but uh, do you have much trouble for Australia's security agencies? They got kind of... The, no. No, they don't I, care. Remember when John Howard went, be alert, be alarmed? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, had a, I had one call and I was like, <laughs> cool. I was like, this is, this is fantastic. <laughs> because back in the 70s, ASIO regularly, yeah. they didn't raid our house. No, no. They just, but they, they, they came. I used to take number plates. Yeah, yeah, That's you know, the they came. Work in those days. Um, I've yeah. tried a couple of times to get Dad's file, but it's still still locked away. Mm. Um, but they came. 
But, you know, they knock, mm. they knock harder than a normal person would knock. Yeah. And, you know, um, bulky jackets concealing, you know, their, mm. their pistols and whatever. But they came. Uh, and, and at rallies, they were there with photographs. I mean, the reality today is, you know, when we have a rally, I put it on Facebook and I share it. I mean, they know who so we are. They know who we are. So it's not an issue? No. Not for, no. Not for the Palestinian no. organisations. Um, how about other Palestinians in Australia? Do, do many just just live their lives and just forget about Palestine? Or, um, or yeah. Do, so, is tragically, that a coping mechanism? Or? Yeah, well, it's a coping mechanism, but also a, um, an acknowledgement of, you know, arguably how beautiful this country is. Though this is a colonialist enterprise built on stolen lands, you know, mm-hmm. never ceded, no treaty given, um, and, and something that they don't realise, these Palestinians, when they come here, they've left authoritarian regimes. Mm-hmm. And these Palestinians have grown up as, you know, second, third, fourth class citizens, whether it be in Syria, Jordan, Egypt, Lebanon, and they've come here and then there's no knock. Mm-hmm. These are people who've come from a place where, you know, 2 a.m., that dad, brother, uncle's never been seen again. Right. where re-education was a real and present danger and threat. And they've come here and gone, well, you know, if we keep our head down, mm-hmm. we're like everybody else. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm thankful that their kids are better than their parents. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that next generation going, hold on a second, I'm Australian. I can talk and advocate and speak out and protest because mm-hmm. that's wrong, regardless of the fact where I was born. Mm-hmm. But the parents have got, you know, that, that survivor complex and going, we just got to build a life. Now, when I'm in conversation with those people, I go, you know, you're an Israeli here. Mm. Here, mm. you're an Israeli. Yeah. You are a settler. Mm. Now, you have more in common, not with uh, Scotty from advertising. That's right. You've got more in common with, you know, uh, Uncle Gary Foley. Yeah. You know, with, with Auntie Lydia. Mm. Mm. It's time you realize your place in this society. Mm. And whilst they've created a nice little box for you and you're comfortable in that space and you're feeling safe, don't think for a moment that you actually are safe. Mm. At any moment, they're going to come and take it away from you. The more you stand up and talk for our Indigenous brothers and sisters and for Palestine, the safer you'll be. Because mm. we're all a better place and a better country if we work together. Mm. Have um, they still repatriate money to relatives? Uh, yeah, for sure. That's, I, I that know. still goes on. Okay, absolutely. Well, I mean, the whole economy would collapse, wouldn't it? The Palestinian oh, economy, if there wasn't any repatriation. Well, there is no Palestinian economy. No, you know, that, I mean, the whole thing would collapse without money. We're entirely in. reliant on uh, foreign aid. You know, we can't export, can't import. You know, if you, you, you could be, the, you know, the most fantastic maker of, you know, you know, watches or soap or olive oil. You can't get it out. No. I mean, the, the reality is uh, only um, uh, last week the uh, the Israelis closed the border for some export, um, some strawberries out of the West Bank into Jordan. Mm. Uh, and they spoiled at the crossing. Left there for three days in the hot sun, yeah? No, no. You know, this is... All right. So, so what, uh, what can Australians do? non-Arab, non-Jewish mm-hmm. Australians who think this is a travesty, what can they do? Well, what they can do, there's a number of things they can do. Number one, they should go to apan.org.au. A-P-A-N. Slowly, slowly. Yeah, dot au. They can go on that website and join our mailing list. They can join as members, um, tell their friends. They can um, download great stuff from there. They can listen to my uh, our radio show, What's Palestine that? Remembered. When's that? 9.30 Saturday mornings, Palestine Remembered. 9.30 Saturday morning? Yeah, with my co-hosts Yusuf Ahmed Rumawi and Robert Martin. Yeah, give, give him our regards. We've yeah. interviewed him on the program. And and they're both great guys. You've had them both on, I think. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, we have, yeah. In yeah, the journey? I remember, I remember Yusuf, he loved Saudi Arabia. I just didn't understand it, but that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. It is a different story. Um, so they can go to 
apan.org.au. You can speak to your local parliamentarians, mm. uh, a local member, uh, state and federally. Um, and we've got resources on our website to um, facilitate the sort of talking points you need. And we can, you know, um, train uh, those people to advocate better. Write letters to the newspaper. Um, call into radio stations, you know, the shock jocks when they, you know, take things uh, from the Zionist narrative. Maybe when you're in the shopping centre, look at the uh, where the things are made and make Absolutely. up your mind because I yeah. have noticed a lot more Israeli products. Are... Don't buy SodaStream. You know, have a look on the back. If it's, you know, ideally in the first instance, buy something made in Australia. Right, yeah, buy you something know? made in Australia because yeah. there's a lot of overseas stuff. And, Absolutely. Uh, and, and if it's noticed, made in Israel, don't buy it. Because no, I've that, noticed a lot more Israeli stuff coming to the supermarkets. Yeah. Well, and those um, uh, mark uh, the um, makeup pushers, you know, mm. in, this, in those street stalls. They're mm. all ex-Israeli soldiers on a you know holiday. Mm. Um, you know, just finished their their period of um, brutality on yeah. Palestinians, and they're out you know living mm. living mm. their life, their best life, mm. selling uh, makeup made from stolen uh, Dead Sea products. Can I ask you one last question before we throw you out? Yep, please. Mr. Have we got our 10, 10 subscribers? Well, we will. We will, okay, obviously. Yeah. We will. Right. We'll, give, we'll give a plug before well, we go. You know, I've got a little but, bit of Israeli but, now. Know, I want to occupy the studio. You know, well, you can <laughs> occupy the studio, but we'll just go to another one. Now, the last question. How's your Arabic? It's good. Good? Yeah. You can read and write? I can uh, maybe grade five level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and conversationally it's great. Well, I, I've been trying, trying <laughs> <laughs> to learn Arabic. It's beautiful. But it's so bloody hard. Because you got any advice for an old man who's trying to learn Arabic? Well, I don't think you're old, number one. Number oh. two, you're obviously... You uh, need your cataracts removed, yeah. but that's go on. You're, you're, you're a brilliant intellect. I think uh, the best way to learn Arabic, and you, you've come a, a little bit away, is immersion. It's immersion. time for you to go spend three months in Palestine. <sighs> if I could get a visa, I would. You don't need a visa. Don't I? We'll get you there. You'll get me there. Absolutely. No, I'll think about it. Well, don't think about it. Go. If yeah. you go to apan.org.au, you can jump on one of our study tours. Oh, study tour. We just had... Uh, you mean uh, I'll have to cancel my North Korean study tour? Well, don't cancel it. Do both. Do both. Okay. You're a doctor. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. Mr. Thanks, Mashni. And your program again, 9.30 on Saturday, Palestine Pal- Remembered. Palestine Remembered. Thank you very much and uh, all the best to you and your family. Uh, I think your mother would be very proud of you today. Thank if you, I was your dad, I'd be very proud of you. I so do appreciate look after that, yourself. Thank you. 3CR's annual Radiothon fundraiser launches in June, and this year we're asking you to be part of community-powered radio. It's only with your support that we're able to be independent, community-controlled, and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference, and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible. 3CR Radiothon. Show your support during June 2021. 3CR Community Powered Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.